You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. All right, all right. That was a little fun. Get to do that. Let's do the full intro here uh, in Twitter Spaces, and uh, I'll tell you, everyone here listening live on Spaces, of course, also on the podcast. Uh, this is an interview you guys are in for a, a pretty awesome experience. Uh, I will say, uh, the the gentleman that I'm interviewing, you know, I just met via Twitter Spaces uh, on December 13th, and I say met as in we've been on a Twitter Spaces together. Um, but I I felt originally that we were like long lost brothers or twins or kind of some version of you know really connected uh, through a reality where, and I'll explain some of the things that are overlapped. Uh, I, I noticed, uh, I believe, he graduated in high school the same year I did, 1999. Uh, and then I recognized, I was like, oh, I'm just kind of stalking uh, our guest Jeremy here on uh, over on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, okay, we went same year to college. And then it had this thing said 4.0 GPA. And I didn't get an A in school my entire life. School was not easy for me. So we are not long lost brothers or twins because uh, the 4.0 GPA uh, wizard uh, is uh, definitely not in my repertoire. But we are we are girl dads. Uh, we have a lot of uh, you know interesting overlap in background uh, in enterprise technology and that side as well. So before I ask Jeremy the first question, I do have to say for you know everyone that listened to the podcast, you know this podcast is powered by the ADHD coin which is the creator coin that we have over at Rally. Uh, we launched it back in March. It's been one heck of a journey. And you know, when we started the podcast, uh, the coin uh, you know, was worth about, it was about $3.60 back on uh, November 11th. And I will tell you, over the summer, I made it a goal that I would love to have uh, you know, the coin reach $10 uh, as how much the coin would be worth by the end of the year. And I would love to have 1,093 uh, individual coin holders that uh, were supporting it. And my hockey number was 93, so I like to, of course, play with those numbers. And I will tell you, as the crypto and sidechain and some of the altcoin uh, you know, kind of started to tank. And I will tell you, when I made this as my stretch goal, you know, the, the coin itself that we are, are bonded to was about 90 cents. And today it's 38 cents. Um, and so as that coin started to dip, I started to, to want to adjust my stretch goals. I started to want to say, okay, well, that was a good idea, Brian. Um, you know, maybe, you know, better luck next time. These things are out of your control. But that's not the case. And I have to say, today is a day that, you know, I'm a big believer that we have to set strong goals, but we also have to celebrate our wins because, you know, if we're not celebrating our wins, why the hell would anyone else celebrate with us? And I have to say, we hit both of those marks today. We crossed the $10 barrier. Uh, the ADHD coin is now worth a little over $10 over on rally.io. And we also have well over 193 uh, supporters. So all of the supporters that are holding ADHD coin are going to get a uh, an airdropped NFT uh, later on. Uh, probably it'll probably be about in, a, in about a week. 
uh, I see Kevin here in the audience listening and Kevin's like, don't give them, Kevin's our designer. And he's like, don't give them uh, you know, some crazy deadline, but I'm going to airdrop an NFT and that NFT is going to have some really fun uh, utility for all of you just as a thank you that we hit, you know, 1,093 supporters. Uh, and for me, a lot of this is, you know, as someone that's diagnosed ADHD, you know, my big piece of this is, you know, I believe we all have our superpowers and I believe, you know, part of the beauty of what we can do as individuals is tap into that and understand that we are all beautifully unique and we all have, you know, something to offer to the world. And I've been waiting for an opportunity to use something like this coin to not, not just grow a, a set of passive income, but really uh, grow together. I like to say, you know, I, I preach that we is greater than me. And I, I like to think this today, uh, a celebration of, uh, it's for, for all of us greater we, for everyone that's supporting the podcast, everyone that's supporting uh, the show. It's also what's funding uh, you know, our ability to buy an NFT every single day. And you know, one of the segments I added to the podcast here was I'm going to give a, a use case for NFTs every single episode, because I believe there are that many use cases for NFTs that from now until November 11th, 2022, we are going to give use cases every episode because I want to kind of tap into that. And one of the use cases is to create conversations and draw awareness to things that maybe aren't getting enough attention or that we know need to be you know, entered into more conversations. And, and that's why I named my coin, the ADHD coin originally. Um, it's not to take advantage of something that I am diagnosed with. Uh, you know, it's something that I deal with every single minute of every single day of my life. Um, my daughter is also, my middle daughter is also diagnosed uh, ADHD and dyslexia like myself. Um, and it's something that, you know, I don't take lightly. I, I understand that, you know, the struggles that go with it, but I also want to integrate it into the conversations. And I will tell you, I, I went and pulled this tweet up, you know, and this is the tweet that I, I shared after the Twitter space on December 13th, where I discovered our guest and uh, the conversation. And I will now say I've put about, you know, $8,000 that Twitter space has cost me, but I digress. <laughs> um, but the tweet actually says, after lights last night's Twitter space with Expansion Punks, uh, hosted by uh, Ozark NFT, shout out to Ozark, because that's actually how I joined into that Twitter space is I saw he was in there, which I knew it was me a, a great conversation. I said, I'm extremely bullish on this project. The focus and commitment by the founder and developer is on diversity and inclusion and has been months in the work. And all of the secondary sales, percentage sales go to the community DAO and the focus is diversity and inclusion. And I, I said that after that first Twitter space and I am even way more bullish now, Jeremy, on what what is building, you know, we, all of us together are building here that you and, uh, you're, you know, the, you and, uh, the developer, why do I always mess up his name? It's what's developer's name? Florian. 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 I always want to call him Flo. So uh, Florian, Flo, uh, Florian, uh, you and Florian, uh, kind of created, and we're going to, we're going to do a little bit of the story of, of the origin story because it, it, it brought me, like I had tears in my eyes the first time I heard it. And I, everyone knows I am highly emotional. I cry uh, during Undercover Boss, like I, that show Undercover Boss, you know, when they reveal that they give away all these people money that have been, you know, that worked hard and are good people. I just, I get I'm emotional. So that's the kind of guy I am. But Jeremy, you know, I would love, you know, I, this weekend I, I was anticipating this conversation today and I had my daughter sitting with me and I opened up my OpenSea collection 
and they've seen my collection over the last you know eight months or so, and most of it they kind of laugh about. And I I had told you that I had them picking out their own uh, X Punk, and they each have their own X Punk now um, in you know in their own individual wallets. So uh, that the the very first uh, NFT to enter my my daughter's wallets, even not even my NFT uh, entered their wallet is an X Punk that uh, entered there first. And it, it was it was your that story of not only what, what what you felt and then what you decided to initially create just for yourself and and you know kind of to you know let's let's face it appease our daughters because that's what we do and so Jeremy get, walk us through that I, well I'm gonna get into a little bit more of the background but I think it's so important. Yeah. You you are a CryptoPunk holder. You have and CryptoPunk is you know it is the one of the two, and it just flipped just this week. Uh, flip, you know, flipped the uh, board apes, and you know I think uh, board apes board apes and CryptoPunks have been mentioned a lot on this podcast. We've had a lot of conversation around there. But you are a CryptoPunk holder. I know your LinkedIn uh, profile photo, I believe, is your is your punk as well. Um, but then showing your daughter your punk, and then kind of walk us through that. Give us that story. I know you've said it a bunch, yeah. but it's really important for my audience. Yeah, so um, I got into crypto in like seventeen. I got into NFT starting with uh, starting with ENS domains in two thousand nineteen, and then got into uh, crypto art uh, NFTs in late uh, last year, so December of last year, roughly. Um, and those were in kind of more of kind of one of one, and some of the the drops that happened on Nifty Gateway early on. Uh, and so I've been in the space on the art kind of side of NFTs for a year or so. And then in January, February, I started thinking through, uh, okay, like I need to do more research. I need to better understand this crypto punk phenomenon. Um, there's, you know, all the research I do on, on all these other NFTs, it always harkens back to, you know, the, this, this thing called crypto punks. What is this thing? Like I'd seen them around Twitter. I'd seen them in places, but I never really understood it. And so that started kind of this research journey of trying to better understand that space so that I could be more informed about NFTs in general. And, you know, when you're considering dropping at the time, uh, when I started the research, I think punks were like, the floor was like six, 7,000. Then there was, so I started research. I even did a couple of talks uh, at work. Um, kind of, we do these things every once in a while called brown bags or lunch and learns where, you know, if you're passionate about a topic, you can speak to you can speak to your team about it, and you know you, you would invite kind of a bunch of people to to your talk. And of course, this was during pandemic, so it's all you know it's all on Teams or on on video chats and whatnot. But I did a couple of talks like in January um, of this year on the you know the NFT phenomenon. Um, you know, Beeple had done his December drop. Um, you know, things were were progressing. You know, he was. Uh, approaching like a Christie's auction, which, you know, culminated in that $69 million um, sale. And so I was super excited about the space. So I was doing talks early in in Q1 uh, and doing the research at the same time. During that time, kind of CryptoPunks, the floor was just rising, right? Like every day it was, it was more and more. And I was frustrated because I was doing this research considering buying one, but the floor was kind of growing, right? And uh, so I continued you know, my girls would see me evenings kind of after work, after dinner, looking through these punks, right? Looking, and if you're on the, the Larva Labs website, you can see kind of the full 10, you know, 10,000 in this kind of zoomable experience. Um, and I was looking, they were looking, and eventually, you know, I start kind of narrowing down the ones that, you know, could fit me aesthetically. 
Um, and naturally, like at the time, my girls were uh, 9, 10, and 14. And so naturally, they're kind of curious because they're seeing me. I'm, you know, they don't typically see me looking at, you know, images of pixelated punks, right? They typically see me working on email and, and Outlook, building PowerPoint slides. Those sexy Microsoft stuff. programs, I tell you yeah, what. The, you know, the typical, exactly, like I sound like I'm advertising for Microsoft right now, but um, but that's like an information worker and, and the type of work I do, it's, it's really about working in those suites. Um, and so them seeing me do this kind of work, they're like, what are you doing, dad? So I brought them over the shoulder and like, like explain to them what it is and and that kind of stuff. And fortunately, like they kind of know what blockchain is because we've had that kind of conversation. They, they know I'm passionate about kind of the, the web three space and specifically the crypto space. Um, so, you know, it wasn't that far fetched for them to understand kind of, you know, digital ownership of assets. Right. Which was pretty cool because, you know, it, it made it a lot easier than frankly, when I tell when I explain these things to um, my peers, uh, it's 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 a more difficult, challenging conversation. Um, and so we had that conversation. Naturally, they wanted to find themselves, right? You know, they they wanted. Well, let's look to see which one looks like me. Let's 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 see which one. If I were going to buy one, which one I would own. Um, and that was kind of the eye opening experience because you know it started with my oldest. You know, at the time she was fourteen, uh, she wanted a, a hoodie. Because at the time, that was kind of her style. She wanted, you know, she thought the hoodies looked cool. Everybody thinks they look cool. Uh, And so, you know, and, you know, so we zoom in and we're looking. We realize, like, oh, none of the females can wear hoodies. That's just part of the part of the trait combination logic that was part of the original. Like, females don't have hoodies. Okay. My my middle daughter wanted to smile. Uh, Unfortunately, after kind of scanning for a minute, don't, you know, the females don't smile. Like they, they only have lipstick, which was kind of a, an interesting statement in itself. Um, and then my youngest wanted a, a, a cowboy hat or, or a cowgirl hat. Um, and, you know, you zoom in and you realize not possible. And it's like, holy moly, like I'm, I've been spending the last kind of, you know, weeks and even months kind of looking at this collection to think about investing, like thinking about it from my own perspective, right? Thinking about it from a, I want one of these to signal the fact that I was here early to signal the fact that I saw this coming to signal whatever. Right. Um, and you know, I'm a, you know, a white male in his forties, right? Like what about the next generation? Like this, like the crypto punks, I firmly believe, yeah, they got flipped by, by board apes this, um, uh, recently, but you know, I, you know, to me, crypto punks aren't going anywhere. It's, there's history there. There's a legacy there. Um, and it's an important one for kind of the web three space for, blockchain in general and for, you know, the, the ability to kind of, um, think through, you know, ownership of digital assets. There's a provenance there that will never go away. Um, and so for me, like that collection says something and it will always say something. And so for, for like the realization of like my daughters not seeing themselves in that collection was kind of an eye opening experience, right? Because, you know, my, they're young still, um, the oldest is turning 15 here in a couple of days um, she's a freshman in high school, you know, uh, I'm hoping she increasingly gets interested in kind of this digital, you know, the digital space and whatnot. But like, if she doesn't, she doesn't, that's up, that's up to her. But, um, you know, I, I love the idea that like, you know, she's showing some interest here, right? She's, she's in a, um, design, like in a, you know, an Adobe, uh, illustrator kind of, um, intro class this year, uh, in, in freshman year in high school. And, and maybe that interest grows and maybe there's, there's like, this space can kind of welcome her in the future. Right. Um, but kind of them not seeing themselves in that space, not seeing themselves in that 
seminal kind of collection of crypto punks was kind of a statement of like, well, let's rectify that. Like, I'm I'm good with Photoshop. Let's open a 24 by 24 pixel canvas. Let's take some of these traits and let's build you your punk. Um, you know, we'll print it out. You know, we'll have some stickers made. You can put it on your laptop. You can put it on your book bag or whatever. Like, let's have some fun with this. And, you know, in the process of doing so, um, it was like, well, what, what else could we do? Like, why stop there? Like, the first thing that we thought of was, what if we built 88 female zombies? Because the other thing you notice in the original collection is all of the rare and thereby expensive original punks, you know, the aliens, apes, and zombies, they don't say they're male, but because the trait, the, the type is just called ape, alien, or zombie, they don't actually have a gender. But if you actually look at them closely and think about it, they're, they're all built on the male archetype or the male chin shape and the head shape, and they're all built with exclusively male traits. So none of those exclusively female traits, like the pilot hat or the welding goggles or the pink hair with hat, none of those are available on these rare ones either. And so you can kind of see this kind of unspoken bias towards the male, the male archetype in those rare and now expensive, exclusive crypto punks. So that struck me as, as interesting. So one of the first things you know I started to do was look through what would making 88 female zombies look like so that, and it, it was kind of, a, at first it was kind of a joke. Like I was like, hey, we could just airdrop these into the same wallets that own the original male zombies. And it could just be like this social narrative of, you know, now they're no longer lonely in your wallet, right? And and that quickly, like that lasted like, you know, a few days of thinking through that and, and realize like, well, why stop at 88 zombies? Should I make the 24 apes and the, and the nine female aliens as well, just for fun? And then it was like, well, it's, if I'm going to do all that work, I've got to design all the traits. Then it's just skin tones to kind of think through what an expanded 10K collection would look like. Um, and then it, obviously then it just started rolling, right? Like then it was, okay, well, let's, let's start, let's start figuring out what actual, actually designing all these traits looks like. How, how can I build the library? How can I, you know, reverse engineer down to pixel perfection so that I can guarantee that these would feel like they came out of the original process. Um, and then, you know, obviously it just starts picking up steam at that point. It's like, all right, I've got to start meeting. I've got to start meeting developers in the space because, um, I'm, while I'm, I'm, I'm good at Photoshop and I'm, I'm good at kind of the research level and like the, you know, like figuring out the, the stats and the, and the balance and all that kind of stuff of the new collection. Like I'm not going to write solidity code. I'm not going to be able to push this stuff onto the chain or whatnot. So I had to start interviewing and finding someone to work with. And, and that took a while. Um, and that's, you know, it was the fourth or fifth person that I met, um, when I met Florian and we just clicked from kind of, you know, the first five minutes of chatting, right? Like first five minutes, you know, I realized where his heart was at, what he was interested in, you know, he's a web three first kind of person. Um, and for him, it was all about like, you know, alignment with the mission, alignment with why, why I started the project in the first place. Um, and then his own kind of view on making web three an experience for all, like he's, you know, he's just super dedicated to the web three space. Um, and I could tell that just from the first five minutes. So it was really quick before I like said, you know what, I'm not even going to like, I'm just going to share my screen. I'm going to show you everything I've done so far. Um, let's start working together. And so I, I, I want to jump in real quick because I, yeah. so I, cause I, we're going to get into some of these details cause I think that they're super important and because I've heard this story so many times and each part of it, I just like, I'm like, I want to, you know, pick apart even more. I'm like, I, I need to learn more. And, but I think, yep. you know, 
one of the beautiful things that you mentioned there was, you know, you were, you're sh- sharing that with your daughters. I, I was, you know, I am a, a divorced dad. I have co-parenting. This is my seventh year as a co-parent uh, of my daughters. My, my oldest is a little younger than yours. Mine's an 11 year old. So you know, make sure you take notes for me on, on how we handle these, these daughters of ours in, uh, in school. And I, I'll just copy off your notes. Um, so, so we have more than we have more in common than, you know, um, I'm also a, a, a co-parent uh, with my ex. Uh, my youngest is my daughter and my two oldest are my my wife's daughters. So wow. um, we're, we're a blended family too. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and I you know we were we were talking about creating new traditions on Christmas Eve and and we've been you know really I've been working hard on you know not you know kind of you know kind of disrupting a little bit of the narrative. You know, I grew up in a uh, you know, my parents are still married. I didn't know really know of anyone divorced as growing up. And, you know, one of the things that we were we always try to do is, you know, OK, well, now how do we reinvent what we're doing? And and so our new tradition um, based on my daughter's kind of vote um, was that we are, you know, we're doing uh, Roblox on on Christmas Eve as a family. We played hide and go seek for about three hours um, this Christmas Eve. And, and it was funny when you were saying that, like your daughter's kind of natively have a little bit better understanding than most of us do when it comes to this idea of digital assets and building on digital assets and, and you know, even buying skins for those that play games. You know, a lot of the, that native, um, you know, functionality and thought process and mindset is really, really innate for them versus, you know, I don't, we didn't, we weren't even able, you know, we had to blow in a cartridge and, you know, pound on the top of our Nintendo for us, you know, for ours to work. And, you know, we only had two remotes, you know, we couldn't even bring friends over, right? Like, so I, I think it's such an interesting, you know, cross section because there is something to be said. I want to put this, I, I think this is an important piece for those that are listening. You know, you mentioned this, that, you know, Part of the you know the the pixelation element of making us smile with the the females is you have to actually remove a, a pixel to make that work. Uh, if, if I remember correctly, when you explained it, and so part of the the reason for some of the the nuances within CryptoPunks, and I, and I completely agree with you. Not only do I not think they're not they're not going anywhere, you know, I think they are a, a staple, and they not only are stable, but they continue, they will continue being. And I think there's always this, there's something beautiful about paying homage and respect to those that are paving the way to what we're all doing. And, and I will tell you just for, you know, you know, for clarity for everyone here, like when I saw originally that there was, you know, when I saw the name of the, of the Twitter space that popped up in my feed, I was like, Oh great. Another expansions type project. I, that was my first, like, I was like, Damn, like, 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 we need like another something apes, another something punks, um, and I, I, I've joked on this podcast before, um, yeah, yeah, like, and we just need other animals, and you know, there's plenty of animals, you know, or fish in the sea or whatever they say, right? But, um, I, I will say that part of your story where. You know, and I and I will say we're going to get into the details. And for those, you know, I've already, uh, you know, ahead of time knew that I wanted to geek out with Florian as well. So we're going to get Florian on the podcast as well um, in January, uh, you know, next month. So we're going to bring him back on so we can geek out on some of the development side of this as well. Just for those that are that know me know uh, well enough. And you know, my background is enterprise technology. You know, when I clicked on your blog originally and I saw that you had magic quadrants, I was like, these are my people. Like I've, I've spent my days in magic quadrants. And I know for many people, they're like, what the hell is that? And, and you know, that my background in, in the, the software space as well. But I will say, Jeremy, like, you know, I think that for a lot of people, there's an assumption for, you know, a project, you know, for a commitment to a project, you either have to like start it with a mission of like, hey, I'm going to start an NFT project and then go find a problem to solve or tap in to your like, hey, your why. But like, ultimately, for you, it was 
recognizing something that you liked and appreciated and you spent a, you know a hell of a lot of money on was was not you know was not fully represented for your daughters and it wasn't a knock on cryptopunks as a collection and you've made that very clear that you're not affiliated with the lava labs but you're also an expansion of not a hey i'm going to break down or you know disrupt or because you're a holder right like the last thing you want to do is to bring down the value of a crypto punk um and so i'm i just want to i want to really dial i really wanted to hone into that because you know that is such a beautiful aspect of like seeing that and then creating a little piece of it and saying well what if i could make this bigger now I've also said that I've also pinned the tweet here in the space and I'll just kind of, you know, when I minted um, the expansion punk and we were buying an NFT every day for a year, uh, you mentioned the Beeple documentary or the Beeple um, sale that actually inspired this project. So the reason that we're doing a daily podcast, the reason we're doing the daily mint was I said, what if we could teach NFTs and bring people on a journey and then sell them as a mosaic collection all together. So that's what we're doing. We're selling it kind of how Beeple had um, his 1,000 digital pieces. We're doing 365 of them. We'll sell that. We'll sell the entire collection on November 11th of next year. And so we're holding on uh, to all of these NFTs uh, from the mint. And each day we're minting one. And and we actually, when we minted the X-Punk on uh, December 13th, uh, we actually got a, a very rare one uh, in the sense of it is uh, not only non-binary, but it has uh, the, the 3D glasses on, which is really cool. And the short blonde uh, mob. And, and I will say the way that it works or the way that we've, that I've worked this for now is when I, when I mint multiples for not only one for the project, but one for myself, the very first one is always for the project, no matter what, just to remove any bias and to be very transparent with my audience. And I will tell you when it popped up and I was like, what? And I will say, I got a non-binary cowboy hat. Uh, as another one of my first five. So of my five, I had three non-binaries in my uh, my first my five that I minted. Which for those that, that don't know that, in as far as the collection goes, uh, I think what total non-binary uh, characters two hundred and twelve, I believe, is the. Uh, oh, two fourteen. Two fourteen. Okay, and so you know three out of the five, and that night I was, you know, jacked up. I, I was excited that we got, you know, a good one for the collection. Um, I had got, you know, the, the floor was there, but the thing that, that is missing from the conversation that we're going to, we're going to enter in right now is you mentioned you, you met with Florian, you really went in with some details, but I will tell you that the, the, the minting experience on your website is number one of every single project that I've I've minted on all of these right over well over 250 projects that I've minted myself throughout this collection as well as before and you're number one the the experience the attention the detail the the every aspect of of it from the standpoint of when you got when you get your actual you know your NFT on the website it actually shows you kind of like the sister traits and things and so my question for you on this is. When you were when you were going to work with Florian, did just, is it in your nature to be you know I know as tech geeks we 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 can be uh, attention to detail but are you with everything that you do are you this methodical with attention to detail and care or did this also kind of grow as you kind of were growing into the project? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty obsessive when it comes to kind of experiences, uh, that I would want to experience myself as a collector. And so, um, I, the, the experience that you experienced minting, um, was actually kind of a lucky combination of, uh, things that I wanted to see, but also just brilliant ideas and 
design uh, behind kind of the the way it would work um, by Florian. Uh, so, you know, I you know I had uh, started collecting um, NFTs with a Nifty Gateway with a few Nifty Gateway drops, right? Which you kind of know what you're buying. They, they weren't these random 10k mints, right? So my and then and then the next NFTs that I bought were either secondaries on on um, on OpenSea or uh, or like my CryptoPunk, which I bought on uh, the Larva Labs website, right? So I didn't have a lot of minting experience, uh, kind of minting from a contract and, and opening a pack and getting what you get. Florian does, right? So yep. I, I, you definitely should bring Florian on. He's he's actually super passionate about this space. Um, one of one thing many people may not know about Florian uh, is he actually minted the first fourteen World of Women. Period. Ooh. Like, yeah, I mean the the dev team. I think it was the World of Women dev team minted. I want to say um, or, or reserved the first two hundred. Like so, numbers one through two hundred or or zero through one ninety nine, something like that. But Florian, on the day they launched, you know, you know, this is this is what like struck me about him is like. He saw the mission, he saw what they were doing, and he was all for it, right? And so yep. he signed, you know, he he minted straight from the contract because he knew if he minted from the contract, <laughs> he'd be faster than minting from from the website. Um, and he's technical like that. And so I don't know if he still owns them all, but at one point he owned like a pretty good bag of like number 200 through 214. I think we gave away 214, uh, uh, World of Women number 214 um, early on during one of our kind of um, expansion punks promotions. Um, I and love so, that. So just the fact that he was there early, like it kind of shows what kind of collector he is and, and what the ethos that he was after in this space. Um, and when I when I you know the more I learned about him, the more I was like, man, this guy's fully aligned with what I'm trying to do here too. So I, it was kind I, of a really great match. Yeah, that uh, and, that, and that that piece of it right is so important, right? I think it's for, I mean just we, for those that are out there, like when you're thinking about these projects and the the origin and the growth, you do have to be that committed. Go ahead, sorry, I didn't want to cut in, but it's such an important piece. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so like what you experienced is kind of a mix of, you know, definitely like, um, the idea of like, ex like a lot of these mints you mint and then you have to go to OpenSea to get what, to see what you get, or you mint and then there's a period that you have to wait before they get unwrapped. Like we wanted that real experience, real time. You, you mint, you unwrap it, you see on the page, you click on it, you can actually see traits, you can see siblings, you can see all that stuff. Um, that, you know, I give, I give. Florian full credit for um, kind of thinking through that collector experience because you know he was also coming at it from the perspective of what what he's missed in these experiences before right what he what he's seen as as a, a gap in the marketplace for for that collector experience and then and then like the ability to see all those traits like that was important to me too the, the percentages the um, all that stuff so we spent a lot of time in in the the days and, and whatnot leading up to launch like designing those things, right. Um, you know, designing them in, in all of all places, I do a lot of my kind of mock-up designs in, in, in PowerPoint. Right. Uh, so designing all these layouts and whatnot in PowerPoint so that, um, so that Florin can kind of do some CSS magic around it and build it. And then shortly after launch, um, we, you know, we brought, uh, some other folks kind of into the fold. Um, some folks that he knows, uh, from his, from his days in, uh, at Volkswagen, stuff like that. And, and, you know, we partnered with a few additional people to kind of bring some fine tuning to the site and, and the experience that you would have seen in December was definitely more fine tuned than it was on August 15th when we launched. Um, but the bare bones and like the experience was all there because of, I would say, you know, Florian's thought forward thinking around the experience and, and what, 
you know, he as a collector himself would want to would want to see in an, 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 an unboxing experience. And, um, and I and I love that. And I want to I want to hit something here. So because I think, you know, for my audience, for my podcast audience, you know, over the last uh, you know 13 or 14 days since I discovered this project. Without question, I've got more people that have messaged me and said, Fanzo, I got my, I got an X-Punk after you mentioning it on the podcast, after you, you know, highlighting, uh, you know, when, I, when I'm giving examples, I'm oftentimes referring back to this project. And I will say for everyone that's listening here, right, we, we are, and then shout out to, you know, all the podcast subscribers. Uh, we are very, very close to being on to hit 100,000 downloads by January 1st. Uh, of this podcast that launched in freaking November, and I um, am blown away by that. And I and, and I just want to I want to hit something here because I, I know for a lot of listeners that maybe aren't as familiar with the project or they've heard me talk about it and and the success. What what they're all probably assuming was was with all this detail, you you found the dream partner, um, you know, to to work with. You've developed all this site. You went into massive detail with you know making sure that you were you know had the siblings and the rarity. When you went live in August, I mean, it sold out in 30 seconds, right? You sold all 10,000 and you guys were running around, you know, buying Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Is that, I mean, cause I, I mean, you did everything right. Like that's how it worked, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. We, uh, it would have been probably easier, um, had we sold out in, in seconds when we launched, but we launched on August 15th. Um, neither one of us are, you know, hardcore, you know, hype marketers. We're not social media experts. Um, we focused a lot on the mission and a lot on kind of the research and the aesthetic of the, of the X-Punks to, to be what we think are by a long shot, the, the truest to form the, the, the best kind of representation of an expand that an expansion could be, um, down to pixel level perfection. I can go into loads of research and detail on why that's true. And maybe we'll do that. Um, but you know, when we launched, we felt like, Hey, the product's the product. Like the product should sell, right? We have a we have a great purpose and a mission behind it. We have an intention and and um, and strategy around using uh, you know thirty four percent of the primary and then all of the secondary to drive a community around this to build a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization and to put more good into this space, right? Um, and so that's what we indexed ourselves on. Um, we did not pay for influencers. We did not you know, pay for promotions. We did not, we did a few kind of awareness giveaways, like a few punks here and there during our early days in discord before we launched just so that people would know we existed, but we did not spend, um, we did not spend money. We didn't go and, and buy, buy eyes on, on Twitter or buy influencers. Um, and we also, that was, we, we didn't do that for the obvious, the obvious reason that we didn't felt, we didn't feel like the, the mission and the purpose for our collection um, resonated with that type of approach. We didn't want to go. You, the last thing we wanted was um, this this flame this flame out of of a bunch of mints and then a bunch of people dropping it for profit and then and then the wrong like not having the right reason for people to be in the collection. Um, you know, our our obvious goal is as many collectors as possible. Like I would, you know, the the, the dream would be to have ten thousand unique wallets, right? Um, and so. From from the early days, we were we were uh, very against like paying money out to influencers to kind of to kind of push the project. We didn't feel that was genuine. And so, when we launched, um, the one thing we did leading up was uh, we reached out to the World of Women collection, the the devs on that, and we offered to build and explore for them. And so, the day that we launched, we actually also launched uh, the um, the World of Women Explore, which is kind of like our Explore. If you go on our website and you click Explorers, you can see 
different explorers that we've built. And you can see the World of Women one, which is a really cool experience. Um, the World of Women dev team, kind of the core team there tweeted out kind of um, a kudos to us or thanks for thanks for the explore kind of thing. Um, and that was at the same time that our mint was going off. So um, we did get some some spillover from the World of Women collection where some of the owners there um, came over and saw what we were doing and, and minted a few. And I'd say I think we minted, you know, roughly 20, 25, 27 percent, something like that um, in the first, you know, call it three days. And then from there, it's slow. It was like it slowly started to kind of tail off. And then um, and by the end of August, like we weren't seeing big mints. Right. We were seeing onesie twosies, maybe every once in a while, 10 mints in a day. Um, and all of this is on chain. So folks can go kind of see this. And and of course, you know, Florin and I were, were like, hmm, we thought we'd we thought we'd have more kind of we thought people would resonate with this. But this space, you know, for those <laughs> for those anyone in the, like this space moves so fast. Right. Yep. And and so for us, it was like, you know what, we're not going anywhere. Like the mission is the mission. And like it's still you know, it still resonates with us. We still believe in, in this. Um, we, you know, some of our um, early supporters kind of joined us on a core team and and we got to work like every week, uh, Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, we would meet for an hour, sometimes an hour and a half and talk through things we can do, things we can build, enhancements we can make to the site. Um, how should we structure the discord uh, for the community, that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, and that was that was real work. That was also... Um, sometimes frustrating work because, uh, you know, the community, um, is a mix of people, right? It's, it's a mix of people with different intentions and different motivations and different visions for how the collection should sell or how the collection should be marketed. Um, and there was, you know, a lot of feedback. Um, uh, some of it was hard to hear, but some of it was good to hear too. Like, uh, you know, some, some of it was, Hey, you guys, you guys have the best product, but you're not, you're not getting the message out. Nobody knows that. Like, you know, all these other alt punk projects are are pumping, and and you guys aren't pumping. Like, what are you like? Why aren't you more loud, or why aren't you out there? And that was, you know, we we had to hear that, and you know, it it in you know, it prompted us to kind of double down on some of the ways we were telling stories on Twitter, double down on on certain things, and um, you know, we were fortunate. Like, eventually, um, some influential kind of NFT archaeologist, I would say kind of discovered some of our work, discovered the papers that we had written, discovered the ethos. A um, couple of them met with us early on. Uh, you know, Ozark was very influential early on. Uh, you mentioned his name earlier. Um, he was very influential early on, kind of pulling pulling us into a meeting and, and, and learning about it directly from us um, and understanding kind of the work that went into it, the research that went into it. Um, I mean, going back to the research, tons of research, like Tons of, of trait combination logic that we had to understand and reverse engineer out of the originals. Tons of pixel perfection tests that we had to run. Like we actually we actually rebuilt um, the original ten thousand punks using our own traits, using our own engine essentially, um, using only the trait data from the original collection, only the CSV file if you're familiar with that from the original collection, um, fed into our trait la- layers, pumped out all ten thousand of the original punks. And proved that all pixels, like, you know, in a 2400 by 2400 image of all 10,000 punks, we were, or sorry, 24, yeah, um, yeah, basically all 10,000 punks, we proved every pixel, every 576 pixels in each of those 10,000 punks was a perfect match to the original. We did that before ever moving in a single expansion punk um, using just our data. And then we used perceptual hashing to verify that our punks, our cloned CryptoPunks, 
where pixel for pixel, RGB value, opacity value, everything in the right spot, right pixel for all 10,000 punks. And that's only when we had that perfection done did we say, okay, now we have confidence that we can now mix and remix these traits and build new punks and and new archetypes um, knowing that the the pixel accuracy is 100%. Ooh, okay, I got I got to hit that real quick cuz like so the title of this episode of course is launching, you know, expansion NFTs the right way and I am going to put it out there that I don't believe there are is any other project that can hold a candle in an expansion form to not only your attention to detail with what you wanted to deliver, but your appreciation and your attention to detail with what you were expanding upon. And I, and I, and I want to you know, not only give you kudos for that, but I believe that should and needs to be the standard for all future expansion projects that, that look at that. And, you know, you mentioned the idea of, you know, your marketing and like the non-influencer side, you know, the NFT space is a unique beast. You know, we, for our project here for Mint 365, we minted the Shaquille O'Neal series. I'm a diehard Shaq fan, uh, always have been, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. There was no NBA team in Pittsburgh. So I picked Shaq. So I have like 13 Shaq jerseys for the 13 teams he, uh, he's part of but he launched a an nft project back on the 22nd of december uh with 100 percent of it going to his foundation and i jumped on it immediately we minted one for the project i minted five of them and it sold barely 3,000 nfts and this is shaquille o'neal like i mean the name alone um the following and it wasn't until today that he was on a twitter space with gary vaynerchuk uh and gary and him having the conversation on Shaq's story and him putting out there that we're going to put every penny on uh the blockchain and we're going to show where every dollar goes for all these kids book bags you know and they went from about three thousand to ten thousand selling out they broke the uh, notables website twice um during that twitter space and and I and I highlight that because you know there are amazing people that are creating amazing projects with amazing vision and de- attention to detail and I believe part of like part of what I'm working towards with the podcast with you know the the projects that we're doing is to also spot those and highlight them and I will tell you when I was in that Twitter space on December 13th I jumped over to OpenSea and I remember laughing because I kept hitting refresh because I was like why does it say that there's only 3,000 in this collection? He said it's a 10,000 collection. And I'm just hitting refresh being like, damn it, OpenSea must be down again. And it wasn't until then you're like, it was mentioned like, oh, and they're still minting. And I was like, oh, based on what I had heard, I just assumed you had already sold out. And I like to, so I, I'm highlighting that because I just think it's such an, an another important detail. And the other thing I want to highlight that I think that we also have to just really appreciate for both yourself and for Florian is that when the project didn't sell out or the momentum started to drop, you didn't give up and you didn't like immediately be like, well, that was a failed experience. Right? Like if and I'm going to include the show notes here for the podcast, you know, the, the blog post that you have up on medium where you break down uh, a lot of these details and you go into the, the social context and you break down the diversity and inclusion, um, you know, aspects of this project are amazing. And I believe you know, most NFT projects, we're lucky if their website gives us pretty good detail. But the fact mm-hmm. that you were kind of going in that detail in there, I think is just another element. And you were working that entire time on fine tuning the story and putting and things out there. And I think that's such an uh, like to me, that was like, you know, the immediate was like, wow, they didn't sell out or didn't hit that crazy number. And they're still committed to it. And for many people, they might be like, well, of course, they are committed to it, Brian you know, they're going to make millions of dollars on secondary sales. That's why they would be committed. We haven't mentioned this yet. Secondary sales in this project, how did you d- decide 
the way that you're going to do it because it is very unique. And it's also another reason that I am so bullish on what you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. So in the kind of weeks leading up to our launch date, there were a couple of um, kind of incidents in the NFT world. Um, I'm not going to name collections, but there were a couple of collections that claimed to be focused on diversity and inclusion, claimed to have fully kind of female founding teams. None of them were doxxed. Um, and, you know, in the days leading up, there were, uh, I remember standing in my backyard talking to Florian on Discord on my phone um, when some of these, some of the news was hitting on some of these. Um, uh, we can say fame ladies. I've, I've explained the fame ladies uh, over and over again in here. <laughs> That was one that was literally happening, like, I don't remember how many days before our launch, but it was literally, like, real-time happening. And it came out that those were, were were not female developers, that they were developers that had done a couple of other similar projects. And there was kind of this idea that they were riding on the wave of, of kind of diverse or, or female-founded teams and whatnot. And, like, that was like, holy crap, Florian, like, we can't, we can't, like, we're two white males, like we cannot kind of like do this without saying who we are being honest around what our, what our intentions are and fully doxing ourselves to hold ourselves accountable to the community of what we, what we're going to do with the money that we we're going to raise. Right. And so very early on, it like, it became an obvious thing where it's like, you know, we've, we've got to put a, a healthy portion of this money into a DAO that the community manages and, and will vote on and will direct. Um, and then in the, kind of the last final days leading up to launch we we're looking at secondary and we we're like calculating like hey if, if this takes off like secondary could be healthy what are what are secondaries like what are what are the standards in the secondary space and they range anywhere from like low end would be like three or four percent to like even somewhere like some collections have like 10 percent royalties where the the original creators of of the the collection or the 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 art um is still making 10 percent of the profit of the sales on every subsequent sale forever and while that's nice to think about, um, it doesn't align with the ethos of this project for two white males to forever make money off of this story, right? And so, you know, from that moment, we were like, you know, Florin and I didn't feel comfortable um, making money in perpetuity on something like this. Uh, and so we said, you know what, let's make, the, let's make that secondary royalty small. Let's go 1%, which is super tiny in this space. Like, there's very few collections if if many unheard of yeah unheard of without question yeah so let's make it small so that collectors kind of can benefit from collecting and reselling and and building this space Uh, but then at the same time what do we want to do with that one percent that one percent should go to the dow too um so we're like florin and i will never make another dime off of secondary here uh all of that money will go straight into the dow and it doesn't hop on its way to the dow it literally goes straight from OpenSea, for example into the DAO um, as a direct kind of transaction. Like you'll see them, you'll see those transactions um, pop up on EtherScan, um, and they're going straight in from OpenSea's accounts into into the DAO, and that's that's hard coded into the into our, our contract and whatnot. So the cool thing is, is like that's kind of relatively hands off. Like there's no you know there's no administrative layer to make sure that those secondaries reach the DAO. Like it's going to happen forever. Um, and so if if as the collection grows and as you know you know as prices theoretically rise, as, as more people understand the ethos and understand the, the mission here, um, that's, you know, 1% of all those sales will be, will be going to the Dow. I, I haven't done the latest math, but I think there's like 10 or 11 ETH now, just based on our secondary volumes, probably 11, maybe closer to 12. I don't know at this point, but 
there's, you know, that's forty, fifty thousand dollars in secondary that's been added to the Dow just over the last couple of weeks. Wow. So I, I mean, I, we're going to dive into the Dow here in a second, but I have to ask just kind of like a personal question. What, what kept you going and committed during that time from the August launch, uh, you know, until that, you know, that week in December where, you know, it did sell out. I'm not saying like that week was the, the aha week, but you know, I think for so many of us that, you know, we, we can get down on ourselves. We are entering, you know, NFT winter, you know, random projects are selling out because they are, you know, bot enabled for many purposes. Um, but talk me through a little bit, just like from your mindset, like, you, you know, you, you do work for this, you know, large company that is not Apple. Um, and, uh, that, uh, you know, you have that, that job, you have a family that you, you're working, you have with you, you know, there's, you had like pretty much every reason to kind of just bail. I mean, you weren't building the, you know, reserve afterwards. You made some, you know, money off that launch. What kept you going from August to December? Because I think there's so many of us that get in that space and would love to just hear because your commitment through there are why all of us are together today. And like, I think we're, we're thankful for what you built, but we're also thankful for you not giving up during those times in between. Yeah, that's, I mean, part of it is, is just, you know, where it started, like, you know, I was convicted from the beginning, when, you know, once we started going on this, this path of expanding it, I was convicted that, you know, there needed to be a respectful, kind of thoughtful expansion of the original, right? Like, I was, I was already, you know, knee deep in building traits and, and building out the library when the, when the Funks collection launched, right? Um, and I minted like out of curiosity when I saw it launch, I minted, you know, I can't remember. It was either the first 200 or the first 250 were free to mint. I believe you just had to pay the gas. I, I, you know, somebody can correct me in DMS if you want, but, um, I seem to remember them being free to mint, uh, if you minted within the first call it 200. And so I minted one just cause I wanted to see what their mint experience was. I wanted to see, um, you know, what it was, what it was that they were actually doing with these flipped punks. Um, and, uh, and I remember like having that experience and like, you know, at that point, um, I think it was already after I'd made my purchase. So at that point I was a little bit like as an owner, as a crypto punk owner, I was a little bit like frustrated by it. Right. Cause I was like, I minted it out of curiosity cause I knew I was also building my own, my own collection for this. Right. Um, and it was an alt punk and it was in this space and it was in a space that I was researching. So it was, it was the experience that I was going after, um, but I couldn't help but being frustrated by it, right? Like there was, you know, little effort there. And I know, you know, funks are going to, they, they, they have their, there's a mission there that they have now. Um, whether that was the original mission or not, um, there's opinions. Uh, but there's a mission there now that they, they, they hold to and that uh, about decentralization and all that kind of stuff. And, and I can understand that mission now. Um, but at the time, you know, as an OG punk owner, I was like, you know, this isn't very respectful, you know, if you're going to grow this space or make a statement with it, like, is this really the statement that should be made right now in this space? Um, and so that's, you know, part of that was, you know, uh, that experience. Then there was, there's been other collections, there's other derivative projects that when I look at them and being kind of the, the attention that I have to the details and the, the, the trait layer and the pixel level accuracy and all that kind of stuff that was so important to me. Um, I see that being, you know, skipped or minimized or whatever in, in a lot of these other collections. And, uh, and, and frankly, 99.5% of the people won't see those discrepancies, right? Because (laughs) haven't spent the months looking at these things, but I have. And so when I see 
one of these alt punk projects and I see the pixel errors and literally like I can open up these alt punk projects now and I can just take a random open C page of, of 20 punks on screen and of the 20 punks, you know, seven, eight, nine of them have discrepancies that are incorrect that, that the Larva Lab engines would have never created. And that's because of either pixel errors or it's because of trait combination errors or you name it. Like these are all things that like if you really know the the engine and the scripts and the combination rules, then you can quickly start to see like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Um, and so we sought with with what we did, we sought to kind of say, hey, how can we build this in a way that, you know, the only exceptions to the rules that we want to make are exceptions for our mission. And that's for, you know, gender, you know, gender distribution and or enabling these non-binary, tra- uh, non-binary traits and non-binary aesthetics. Um, but we want to use the original pixels. We want to use the original colors. We want to use the original positioning, all that kind of stuff to whatever, to whatever extent we can reverse engineer. Um, but then it, it also meant like really figuring out some of those rules that shouldn't exist. Like one of the, one of the ones that's, that's easiest to remember. And there's lots of these, there's lots of these rules, but one of the ones that are easiest to remember are like, look at the, look at the apes and aliens, apes and aliens will never have eyeshadows or, or, or they'll never have blemishes. They'll never have um, like the blemishes, like the the mole or the spots or the rosy cheeks, like they don't have those types of like those types of traits. They they can only have they don't have human hairs, like they don't have hairstyles. Like the the apes and aliens, those two will only ever have things that you know you can imagine an alien or an ape doing, which is like putting on a hat. So they can have hats, but not hairs. They can have glasses, but not eyeshadows. Um, uh, they never have facial hairs either because like hair and facial hair those are like human things right the zombies they can have all those things the zombies have full access to all the things that the humans have because guess what zombies probably used to be humans at one point so there's these like things that unless you know that you're not going to kind of pick up on that you're going to see these alt punk projects and you're going to see those combinations and you're going to think oh that's fun they 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 they've expanded or they're making new ones but like that's not an expansion that's like completely remixing the rules, completely remixing the aesthetics and creating things that like Larva Labs would have never intended. And right. So- and, and that's because it's a piggyback, right? Like let's, let's, let's be like, I, like your commitment to those details. And for everyone in here that are going to come at me telling you like, cause once Jeremy said this in one of the other spaces, a couple, I think it was like the week before think, uh, Christmas, I, you like Jeremy, you owe me a lot of hours back in my life. Um, because I then started picking apart like every project where I will go in and be like, how did they distribute these properties? And where are like the nuances? Where are the things that go in? Like, I mean, I am, I'm the hours I've committed thanks to like, cause it, it is, it is such an, uh, it's an important aspect of understanding the collection because as an expansion, and I've heard you, you say this as well. And I think it's also something important. You were focused on like what the total, 20,000 collection look like, right? So when you think about expansion and not just, hey, we're going to ride the coattails of another project, or I like the way this project did it, they didn't do it my way, so I'm going to do it my way, but I'm going to do it close enough that hopefully people that liked that will like what I do, right? Like, And, and I'm not calling out people for like as a bad thing. That's just, hey, that's how people are looking at it. But I think as this space is maturing and we are continuing to mature, when we look at projects, like I, I like the, like the part of the reason that I'm so bullish at talking about this project is because I don't want people to have the feeling that I have or had leading up to this project. I'm being like, oh, 
another expansion project. Like, oh, another. But that commitment and that attention to detail, it also goes into the, you know, back to like the origin with what your daughter and being inspired on like the, the, the different details of it. Because, you know, talk to us a little bit about that piece as well, right? Like the total 20,000 collection yeah. and how you yeah. kind of customize that. Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, we decided on, this was like actually like game time decision um, leading up to the launch, right? Like when we, when we first uh, put together the 10K, um, it was actually more of a 50-50 split, like 49-49 plus 2% non-binary. Um, so 49% male, 49% female. And, uh, and of course, like the nice diverse sprinkling of, of both um, male and female archetype shapes in the rare aliens, apes, and zombies. And uh, kind of leading up to it, we realized like in the literally, I mean, we're, we're talking maybe 24 hours before launch, uh, we, we were kind of, kind of going over everything and thinking through everything. And we realized like, you know what, like this doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right that we're calling ourselves an expansion. We're talking about diversity and inclusion and we're not reversing the, or inversing the proportions to make sure that the expansion as a whole makes sense. Um, you know, we were looking at it more from, uh, we were looking at more from this idea of like, well, 50, 50 represents the world, right? So if we go 49 and a half, 49 and a half or whatever, and then have 1% non-binary that reflects the world, but then that reflects the world in just our collection. And then why call it an expansion at that point? It's not an expansion because it doesn't coordinate or, or it's not cohesive with the original. And so, so like we literally pumped the brakes 24 hours ish before launch and said, you know what, we have to go back to the engine we have to make more females. We have to kind of weight this. We have to inverse the weightings that were in the originals on gender um, so that when you think about it as a true expansion pact, that it actually works together. Because if we don't, then you'll never, you'll never be kind of honored or respected by the originals as something that is coherent or cohesive with the originals either. And so from there, you know, we, we pumped those brakes, then we, we, we worked kind of 24 hours straight to kind of regenerate, find the right distributions um, of traits. And, and I say distributions of traits because uh, there was this, there's this big part of coherence that we focused on, too, on the trait level. So, I, you know, we wanted to ensure that, you know, if you have knowledge of the OG collection and you are a collector in that space and you know how traits work, that you could apply those same principles to our collection as well within reason, right? Obviously things like non-binary is new or smiling female is new, but the kind of the incident rate of, you know, certain traits like beanies and pilot hats, those are rare in the original. We needed to make them rare in ours too, right? Like those things, like we paid very close attention as much as we could in the generation process to try to massage those into a, distribution that made sense in an expansion that could be coherent um with the originals as well so a lot of like a lot of um culling like we actually produced roughly i think it was fourteen thousand punks as as part of our kind of um layer or as part of as part of our generation process um and then we had to then go through a various rounds of of reducing for a, a factor of reasons one of those was um, pixel, pixel twin deduplication. De so, you know, we produced 14,000, but then what we had to do was again, going back to that, um, perceptual hashing algorithm is we had to compare all of our punks to all of the original punks to make sure that we didn't miss any twins because you can easily have 
and we had a lot. You can easily have a lot of a lot of punks in your generation process that your script pumps out and says they're unique because they're trait unique. You know, one will have an earring, but one and, and the original doesn't, or vice versa. But because in the crypto punks space there are traits that hide other traits, a mole can be below a beard, um, a a necklace can be hidden by the big beard. Um, you know, certain. Uh, hairstyles many hairstyles will cover the earring trait fully the hoodie is a great example there are a lot of hoodies that actually have earrings but the earring is a hidden trait and so because of that um an obvious one is the medical mask medical mask basically always covers all the mouth traits so you might be a female with lipstick or a male with a smile a frown or buck teeth but if you've got a medical mask you'll never know that it'll be in the data and from a deduplication process your script and your engine will build those punks and say that they're unique and that's where other collections may fail because they say they're unique. But when you do perceptual hashing and you compare every one of ours to every one of the originals pixel for pixel, you realize there's duplicates. And for us, that was a kind of from day one, that was a, a, a principle that we would not we would not allow in our collection. Um, we, we felt like to really truly honor the originals, you can never have a pixel twin with the originals. You have to honor them by, by giving them that space and giving them that kind of respect. And, and so we, you know, our process was roughly, I think it was like 14,000 that we pumped out of our engine. Then we had to dedupe them all on a pixel basis, not just the trait basis. Um, and then we had to massage the trait occurrences to be um, rarity coherent with the originals. So then it was really kind of, kind of finding where our engine pumped out too many pilot hats, for example, or too many cowboy hats, or not enough, you know, you know, hot lipstick or whatever, and finding ways to kind of massage those back in so that you could really kind of feel at home in the punk verse, whether you're dealing with just our collection or whether you're looking at the aggregate 20,000. Wow. I mean, I, I, I love all of this and I'm massively geeking out. And I will tell you, my, my DMs are blowing up and I have a couple, a couple of buddies that are in here that were like, Hey, just hearing this story and your attention to detail, they're jumping in and, and snatching up a bunch of punks. And I know f- I, I see Flywheels in here as well. I appreciated his insights uh, on a previous space. I see he's in there um, snatching up punks. And I will say, like, if to understand how this is, uh, you know, uh, relating with the audience, you know, the just in the last 30 minutes that we're recording this live on Twitter space, the uh, volume has increased 7.3% on X-Punk sales, right? So let the, the story that you're sharing, that the, this like this attention to detail, your care to the, the mission, how you, you brought together with Florian. And I, and I say all of that not to flex or to make people go run it all of a sudden and sweep the floor of the project. I mean, you're, you're more than welcome to do so. But I say that because I think we often are, are struggling to understand like what are the things that matter to NFT collectors. And we hear a lot about utility, a lot about community. But I think there's also this, this, this understanding that for those things that really flourish – what the founders vision and mission and things were or are have to be also understood and kind of embraced across, you know, the entire uh, platform. And I feel like each time that I've got into a Twitter space uh, with yourself, Jeremy, or with Florian or with anyone that's kind of talking X punks, not only do I learn something more that kind of 
so to kind of better understand, um, you know, the vision and what's possible. But it's also the pieces that I it also exposes a lot of what other projects are are missing. And I and I will just challenge everyone that's in here. If you have a friend that is uh, launching a project or someone that you know, like you know, share this podcast episode with them and just let them hear some of those those things where it's not like overnight flipping and saying, I have this idea, I'm going to create generative, you know, art on top of it. I have a, you know, a big following or I don't have a big following. These things that you're sharing, I think are so important and valuable for us to truly also understand your appreciation to CryptoPunks. Because I will tell you, you know, I, I posted this in our Discord uh, today, you know, when I, been, I got the question a lot, like, Brian, hey, if there was one project that you have to end the year with in your wallet, what is it? And I, I said XPunks is my, is my answer to that. And I'm not saying that to, because I'm here now, you can go in and check the Discord, it's, it's there as proof. But the, part of the reason that I'm so bullish on where this can will also go is that I believe when we we mention things like CryptoPunks and Board Ape Yacht Club and even you know Crypto Kitties and then you brought up uh, you know uh, uh, World of Women like there are projects that are pushing the bar and pushing the bar in innovation pushing the bar in quality control commitment to to details and delivering an experience you can't get anywhere else and I believe those are the projects that we not only have to continue to push forward. But we each have to go and take this message and this mission, not just telling people to buy more X-Punks, but to learn from some of these these nuances and these uh, you know pieces that kind of go along the way. And so, you know, I, I'm curious, Jeremy, from a standpoint of you know kind of what you've shared. We're going to get into the DAO in a second, but you know, like you mentioned, you know, I remember as soon as I had heard that the the fe- the female uh, female punks couldn't have hoodies. To me, I wrote it down on a piece of paper and said, I'm going to own a female punk in a hoodie like it was very easy as like i don't care if it's not quote unquote rare in the ten thousand collection i know that it'll be rare in the twenty thousand collection it'll be rare and it's also my when my oldest daughter uh picked out her punk for me to put in her wallet she picked out the one that i'm wearing as my profile photo right now which is uh the woman in uh, wearing the hoodie but you also mentioned like you know there's some other aspects of this project and and I, i posted a tweet here in the twitter space and i'll include it in the show notes for the podcast you know when i minted i also minted the the cowboy hat uh, non-binary and I believe the floor was uh, and, and people have corrected me multiple times now today yes I actually found the project on December 12th not December 13th so <laughs> I, I, I love everyone when you do something live it's always great because if you do mess up people are really good at, at correcting so on December 12th I had minted the five um, I had then you know when I had saw that I had one with a cowboy hat which happened to be the logo um, for the project it also was non-binary I remember it's like the floor was like 0.06 maybe um, and then we can look it up for for you know, but it doesn't really matter because I was like, you know what? I'm just going to drop it at drop this one at 0.49 and throw it out there to see if anyone would be crazy enough to like snatch it up. Now, I will tell you my understanding of like, you know, and, and I think this is an important piece for, you know, I know I have a lot of NFT collectors that are listening to this. Probably more NFT collectors listen to the podcast than those that want to launch their own project. And and I, and I appreciate that because I, I also believe we must be a collector before we are a creator of an NFT, just my own personal opinion. And, and I posted a tweet up there because I woke up the one morning, um, you know, the, the very, well, the morning of the 15th and my punk had sold. And I was like, well, damn, I just flipped that from like 0. 0.04, 0. 0.05 to 0. 0.49. I was very like, you know, happy. And and then I went and like looked at, I was looking through the, the traits and it was during the next Twitter space. And I was like, oh man, you mean I just, I, I put up for sale one that is the logo of the actual project. It also has one of the rarest of traits 
and it's one that was like it's clean and like and I was, and it was you know it dawned on me and I, like and I share that because I'm big I really focus on not only the highlights like I I I'm really disappointed in a lot of influencers and and thought leaders in the space at the moment where they only talk about their genius flips and their overnight wins and everything they've ever done right and you're like dude we can look at your freaking wallet and see all of the duds that you have there even if you move them to hidden in open sea like we're we're sort of not that <laughs> and I I share that because I'm I'm curious Jeremy on this you know, where we're at, where you're at now. Right. And like, and I, I mentioned like the floor uh, is, you know, people are snatching them up on the floor. I know p- people that are listening to podcasts are like, you know what? I wish I was listening to a live, which you can, you know, just got to jump into the discord. The floor, when we started this uh, podcast was 0.133 and it's, I just hit refresh and it is a 0.149 uh, now from a, a standpoint of, uh, you know, just the floor and, and, I have a whole podcast episode on why the floor is something that I don't really care about overall. That's not what I ever focus on with the projects that I care about. But the reason I, I, the, I wanted to kind of tie in this idea of like the mistakes and kind of like the understanding, I think part of the beauty of your project is because you do have the people that were loyal early on and the people that bought in and have been on this journey with you. But then you also, as you said, you listened to some of the feedback and some of it you took, some of it you had to remind yourself that you can't you know, please everyone. Um, and you also had like this commitment to the Dow as well. Before we jump into the Dow conversation, if you look at these last couple months, these like five months, six months since project launch to where we're at today, where would you like if you look back and said, man, there are a couple like mi- missteps that we made that I just wish that we didn't and maybe that we could wish other projects wouldn't. I- I'd love to hear just a couple of those if you don't mind sharing. Hmm. Missteps. Um, I mean, you've got to find the right balance between um, getting the word out and hyping it. Right. Like um, we didn't do a lot of it. We didn't do a lot of the hype or any of the hype kind of marketing. And, and frankly, you know, there's probably more early on we should have done to kind of tell our story in a respectful way and to get more eyes on it. Um, you know, again, though, like, you know, we're, this was, you know, launching in August, you know, for both of us, like we're kind of noobs in this space. Like we didn't, you know, we didn't personally know any influencers. We didn't have anybody in our back pocket to, to, to go tap, to do that kind of work for us. Um, and, you know, it, it still didn't feel right. So like part of, you know, part of like, if I did it all over again, you know, is there a way to kind of, you know, do it differently and maybe get some of that word out sooner, like, you know, be more relentless in maybe the DMs of, of certain influencers, perhaps, you know, like perhaps we could have done that. Um, but in a weird way, I don't know, in a weird way, like having that quiet period was kind of a solidifying experience for us as well as a core team man i I feel like i mean we are channeling each other there because i was kind of setting you up hoping that you were going to go there and that that like if you think about like being in the trenches for three months when mints are slow and really kind of seeing you know your 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 co-founder if you will i don't like using that word because like you know this is decentralized like we're gonna move on from that 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 title very quickly and it's it's us it's the community Um, but you know, you, you're in the trenches with that person that you kind of brought, you brought this into being with and you see them not faltering and you, you feed off of each other. And frankly, there were days where I was super bummed about it. Right. And and he built me up, um, and, uh, and realizing like, you know what, he's here for it. I'm here for it. We're not going anywhere. Our names are on this project. We're going to stay focused. Um, 
that was super solidifying for us, right? Like we had um, some some very early kind of folks from our Discord that like joined us in those core team meetings and were helping us with um, Twitter, were helping us with Discord management. Um, they were showing up on Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m. Pacific time for those calls, right? Regardless of the fact that maybe in the last 24 hours there were zero mints um, because they believe in the project, right? And having that, like experience of, of frankly, like, you know, you know, concrete takes a while to harden. Right. And having that kind of resolve harden for three months and realize like, you know what, I don't care what people, I don't care what people are saying. And like maybe some of the naysayers in the discord are saying like, we should be doing more of this hype marketing or more of that. Like, you know, we still believe in, and, and we've got the, like, the commitment from these core individuals that are joining us every week at 7 AM to kind of say like this project still has a meaning. It still has purpose. It's still like people still resonate with it. Um, and that was pretty powerful. Like I, you know, I, I dare to say that like, if we had minted out in a flurry in those early days, uh, that we may not be as committed or as focused as we are now. Oh, yes, completely. A thousand percent agree. And I, I, I've been making the argument for a while that I think slow burn launches, are, and I just, I call them slow burn. I don't know if that's even you know term, but you know I think that slow burn launch, you know, it ignites the super fans. You get to learn what aspects of the story people are cluing in on, right? You get to learn ways to discuss. Like I would argue, you know, and and I, and I made this comment. You know, I talk a lot about you know, like, hey, this is a project that you know I, I think everyone should have be in on. But I also want to back that up, right? Like I I just about a half hour before this recording, um, I've been really focused on adding to the non binary collection that I have uh, for a couple of different projects that we're working on and that we have, you know, across our uh, wallets. And I, w- I snatched up one uh, today that, you know, happened to just drop to, you know, someone I had posted it for, I think, 0.69 um, ETH. And so I, I snatched that up and now that one's in my wallet. I just made it my, my profile picture right now at the moment. And, you know, I'm seeing all of the comments on Twitter of, of you know, people, you know, enjoying the conversation and the dialogue here. And, and I appreciate that a lot. And, you know, I know this is a little bit different, uh, you know, podcast recording than uh, some Twitter spaces, which are a lot of Q&A, a lot of um, AMA. But I, I really want to, you know, Jeremy, I think, you know, I, I, I hope you appreciate what what we're all feeling and seeing because not only that commitment to detail, but also that resolve through that period. And that kind of takes us into the Dow and the future, because I know there's a lot of people that are in my circle that are also in your circle, uh, Jeremy, of the enterprise tech world, where it's like, hey, I really think it's cool that you paid attention to, to CryptoPunk's details of their you know, 8-bit. I really love that you included, you, 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 you put female and male um, you know, equality now into this you know, 60-40. You added non-binary to allow you know, representation for all those and and. and, and for anyone that missed the Twitter space where um, a mom of, uh, of a child of non-binary child uh, came up and said how much that meant uh, to her. And then Jeremy gifted her one of those uh, NFTs uh, to have in her co- uh, collection. Uh, that was another time that Jeremy made cry. And I also just went in and bought uh, another X-Punk just to, to support because Jeremy, I, I felt your heart in that, in that moment as well. But you know, for all of the, those, the, they're not naysayers, but they're looking at NFTs and saying, Okay, well, what's in it for me, or what's in it next? Now that we like, hey, we have it as a profile photo. Hey, there's a really thriving community over there in Discord. I, I definitely recommend uh, everyone to check out the Discord that uh, Expansion Punks also is is running. I believe the moderators, shout out to the moderators there, are doing an amazing job. I run 
two different Discord accounts, both of them with the 200 max servers because of these projects that we're monitoring right now. And I will say 99.9% of Discords are are so noisy and so disconnected and so ridiculous that um, even if you only had that only Discord, it would be a lot. But you know, for those that are, are that, that that are sitting there, like okay, now that I understand the project and I understand your commitment to it, but what else? Like, what is it? So, talk to us a little bit about the DAO, and then and and you know, reminder and kind of FYI for everyone that's out there, right? This this DAO concept, right, and the implementation of it. Yes, uh, you know, we minted the Constitution DAO. We did a podcast episode about the Constitution DAO um, way back when, way back on like November fourteenth when we just launched the podcast. Um, we've kind of broken down kind of the the. What, what it takes to, or why DAOs exist or what it takes to create them. And it's definitely not something that happens overnight. It also mm-hmm. is something that, you know, because of the way that you've kind of designed this from um, the front, you're also, you know, are very committed to transparency and shared open uh, ownership with the dual SIG um, wallets. Talk to us a little bit about the DAO and answering that, like, okay, what is what is beyond just holding the, the um, X-Punk themselves? Yeah, that's great. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the DAO is really, um, it's the decentralized autonomous organization. It's, it's, you know, there's a lot of DAOs. It's kind of a popular key term right now in the space. Um, but essentially it's, you know, it's trying to flip kind of the organizational construct upside down, right. And give community and decision-making power to the, the members, right? Uh, it, it doesn't come from a boardroom. You know, I don't get to unilaterally decide, you know, where that, you know, 193 or, or, or whatever ETH it is. I think it's $800,000 of, of ETH now in our wallet. I don't get to decide where that goes. Like, um, we have to kind of progressively put those keys, um, in the hands of the community. And so let me kind of explain how that works right now. So right now, um, Again, like 34% of primary and all of secondary went straight into the DAO. Um, and we'll go, and the secondary will continue to go into the DAO. That's, that's how you find yourself with $800,000 um, of assets there. And uh, that's a lot of money. That's a lot more than many DAOs have. Um, not many projects that I, you know, very few, if any, are giving that percentage of the original mint into a community driven wallet. Um, and right now, that wallet is—it's called a multi-sig wallet. It's a—it's a, a gnosis wallet, uh, multi-sig, which means multiple signatures are required to do anything within that wallet. Right now, the only two signatures on it are Florian's and mine because we started the project, we started the the wallet. Like, um, but it's still—if you think about it—I like to kind of tell people it's like the mission control keys from all those '80s kind of you know Cold War movies where you've got two generals that have to turn the key at the same time in order for the missiles to launch, right? Like that's the kind of, that's what a multi-sig wallet does, right? It, it ensures that multiple signatures are required for transactions to happen. So Florian can't rug the community without me signing off on it. And I can't rug the community without Florian signing off on it. And the two of us are in different continents. The two of us, the two of us have um, shared, but um, different, you know, shared perspectives and shared intentions, um, but definitely different lives. So we keep each other in balance there. And then, um, and then the two of us are both kind of openly clear that that can't persist for much longer, right? Like we have to bring in more signatures. We have to vet, interview, and understand, and then put those individuals propose like propose those individuals to the community. Um, and it's not just us doing that either. The community needs to find those people too. 
this is our wallet. This is our multi-sig wallet. Like we, all of us expansion punk owners need to have a say in who those uh, individuals are that eventually sit as kind of multi-sig wallet um, key holders and get to, get to, you know, hold keys towards those signatures. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're aligning towards like five, maybe seven key holders, um, of which, you know, maybe at the beginning, Flory and I are two of those seven perhaps, but that's not to say that six months from now, um, one of us is gone or both of us are not even key holders. Like there's, there's no requirement that Flory and I be key holders to those signatures, right? Like in a, like what a, the only thing that we know for sure right now is that the key holders can't be two white males, right? Like that doesn't jive with what we're doing or what we're building here. And so we need more key holders. We need diverse and representative key holders um, to represent that DAO and to be the checks and balances on the voice of the community. Um, and then we need a lot more like a DAO just doesn't, isn't just a multi-sig wallet. Like you need consensus mechanisms. You need uh, a thriving community that is able to put forth um, proposals. You need uh, platforms, um, discussion forums and whatnot for those proposals to be reviewed and vetted and, and progressed and edited and whatnot. Um, you need people bringing that stuff together to take the right snapshots at the right time of the, of the key holder, or sorry, of the um, token holders so that we can then host votes on chain voting, right. Of those decisions, of those proposals. And those proposals could be as, as minor as, Hey, we're thinking about adding a new mod, um, this person would mod, and by modding, their compensation would be, you know, X amount of ETH per month coming from the DAO. But that, and then they're going to mod, and they're going to get, they're going to commit X hours per month to being in the channel and helping moderate and helping to take, you know, to take notes and bringing, to bringing kind of strategy back to the core team from what they hear and whatnot. Um, that could be a minor vote. A major vote could be, hey, there's this big initiative, and we want to donate twenty ETH out of the, the DAO wallet to this major initiative because we think it speaks to our mission. Um, you know, so these proposals could come from, from anywhere within the community. They could be curated, you know, mobilized, uh, vetted, you know, in, in informal, unstructured ways, um, and then formalized in more structured ways into forums, and then, you know, put into kind of a, a rhythm of DAO work, a rhythm of consensus where maybe it's quarterly. These are things that need to be defined by, by, by us and by a community over time. And this stuff doesn't happen overnight, right? Like yeah. there's, there's a, what, what, what is kind of like a progressive approach um, to decentralization where, you know, the way it stands right now, it's like, Hey, it is just Florian and I with keys. And that's frankly, it's, it's not the way it should be. And it's not the way it's going to be. Right. That's a lot of pressure for two, for two people to hold the keys to that kind of budget. But I would also argue deciding that the first, the third person is, is just as much pressure and important, right? So like, I, I give you credit for slowing down to go faster, right? Like, I think there's a, there's a beauty to understanding, not only is this not created overnight, but each one of these decisions that you're making, you know, because, and I, for the audience that, you know, we have to remember that we, we said a little bit earlier, but like, you know, with the secondary sales, that one, that 1%, is going into that wallet to fund this, right? So it is something that will, you know, we mentioned how many have been sold just since this space has uh, been running, you know, like 1% of every one of those sales is going into that wallet to be able to, you know, be able to be leveraged by this community, by all of the holders. That's a lot of responsibility. We can, you know, quote Spider-Man since of course, Spider-Man movies out right now, but I I appreciate, I want to highlight that because I think that's also something that, you know, the, the projects that 
understand the the nuances, the the scalability, the the really value that this DAO can demonstrate if done correctly. It does require time. And I know for holders of, of NFTs, we want things, we want the reveal right away because we like opening baseball cards, right? We want yep. to know rarity score probably before we even get the art reveal because we so care about the, the rarity score, right? Like there's all these things that like are always in there, but I I really appreciate like that, that like fine tuning that process. And also you've, you've not mixed, you know, the, I, I will, I will another highlight just something else that you've, you've always talked very openly about you know, your support for other projects, you're not breaking them down, right? Which I think is an important aspect of this. But we also have to learn from other DAOs. We have to also understand where these, you know, things are there and, and like who would value that versus not value that. I, I participated when I, my first DAO that I was brought on to, to, to help support was in March. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I will tell you, it was, it, it was like a month and a half later where I had to go back and say, hey guys, I need to pause and come back. And like, you guys walk me back through like, the basics and the nuances and how we bring this to life. And so I, I'm sharing that because I think that's also such an important, you know, aspect of this. And I, I will also say, you know, you mentioned you don't like the founder co-founder element, right? Because, you know, part of the beauty of, you know, web three decentralization is that we all have ownership in the project by, by simply holding, you know, one of these NFTs and, and yep. saying that is one thing, right? And I would say, 99.9 projects, 99.9% of projects are saying that. I would say less than one are truly operating in a way that allows that to be enabled, right? And that does not mean it needs to be lawless and there's not moderators, there's not guidelines, but there is like this like sharing of power. So I love, I, I just want to, because I, I think there's these, these details, I believe, are really what separate where we're going in Web3 versus taking web three kind of vanilla, you know, features and calling them things and then like making that known. And then three months from now, recognizing that it, the reason it failed was, you know, no fault other than the fact that we really didn't slow down to fine tune some of those details. And I, and I, and I will also say like for those that are launching projects next year in 2022 and mid year, late year, you know, grab yourself an X-Punk and follow along with the DAO development because you're going to learn probably good and bad uh, along the next months and how that can also, you know, be implemented in future projects as well. hundred percent. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that um, is real time for us right now is, uh, you know, Florian and, and I spent some time this morning um, with uh, one of our moderate, one of our moderators and uh, who introduced us to a, a kind of an IP lawyer right? In the Web3 space. And so we spent a good hour this morning talking about, and, and fortunately, like this lawyer knew about us, actually owns an, owns an X-Bunker too. And, um, and so, you know, it's pretty cool to kind of speak with someone that kind of knows the Web3 space, is very familiar with a lot of the derivative projects. Um, and one of the things that the community has been asking about and deserves is a little bit more clarity on our positioning on IP and on um, on their on their ability to use the X punks for what they want to use them for and stuff like that. Um, so, what do we need to do about that? Like, this is kind of one of those things where it's progressive. It's pro- progressive decentralization. Like, the iron is hot. Like, Flora and I need to actually mobilize and and work with a lawyer now to define and put some statements out, to put some clarity out for the community. The community deserves that and they want that. Um, but I don't. We don't have mechanisms set up right now to do an on chain vote and to rally you know, the 3000 unique owner wallets we have to a vote to kind of make those decisions. So this is one where, you know, 
hiring a hiring a, a lawyer, a short term lawyer to represent the to represent the building of this DAO and to help us make those decisions and write those statements and figure that stuff out, like that might cost us a retainer fee of roughly one eighth, right? You know, half of one percent of what's in the DAO. Um, is that money well spent? To me, it kind yes. of feels like we should do that, right? Like it feels like we should secure um, a perspective and document that and publish it and give people awareness of what it is. Um, we should secure likely a trademark for the Amber logo that we have um, and secure that in a way not for like, I don't want to own that trademark as Jeremy. Like I want the Dow to own that trademark. I want the Dow to be able to say, you know what, like let's create a merch line for this. Um, let's, you know, create a fully native Web3 merch line of the Amber logo on various things that when you buy it, 100% of those profits flow straight into the DAO, right? Um, and so those kind of things, those are going to take time to set up. We need, and, and this is why I like to say, you know, some of these things, you know, just, st- you know, where we are in this space is you know, like there's a level of progressive decentralization that has to happen to get us there. And that may come in the coming days of, you know, Florin and I kind of agreeing and putting a statement out saying, you know what, we're going to take one ETH, one ETH out of the DAO and, and, and mobilize it with, with a lawyer to kind of start putting this documentation together so that the community has more transparency around how some of this stuff will work. Um, you know, we, you know, like, and, and we're very careful about that. Like we, you know, early on, like that's a lot of the, a lot of the, um, the, the feedback kind of two months ago, a month ago in the discord when, when folks were frustrated that we weren't minted out was, Hey, take, take money, take the Dow, put 20 ETH into marketing, blah, 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 blah. And you know, that never felt right for us because that's big money. That's taking the Dow for marketing, which doesn't go with our mission, securing kind of, you know, IP and, and trademarks and like positioning ourselves for a long-term Dow growth does feel aligned. And so those are kind of some of the things that maybe in the short term we do make some some preliminary decisions decisions like that as a central kind of core team, but like uh, we will we will not be doing the Dow justice if 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 we're not progressively making fewer and fewer of those decisions and building the architecture for consensus mechanisms on chain. And I and I love those like little you know things where you might have you know decided not to do something right or you were kind of holding on right. I think that's such an important aspect. And you also mentioned this a little bit earlier. And and I will say you know uh, we are I'm, hopefully you know bringing back yourself and Florian. Uh, actually, I talked to Ozark who I see is here in the audience now as well about uh, coming on the podcast. I think there's so many nuances that that we can learn together, right? And I appreciate even as a collector. To me, you know, as a collector looking at my the, my perspective on how I look at projects, uh, assessing them has definitely changed when I can appreciate all of these nuances that you've kind of placed in there, right? And and then one of the upcoming episodes, you know, I I've been really trying to you know hone in on understanding some of the product launches and like the the properties and not going into rarity, but rather going into the things that we know that like the audience might like and and some of these these different characteristics and and you know you mentioned the merch right like I'm a I'm a crypto dad holder I minted one of the crypto dads I have crypto dad merch everywhere I um, love the project itself been a fan since um, its launch and it's a project that you know I think the floor at its height you know reached over you know over two ETH uh, it's come 
come down now to like point two one. I uh, we're gonna have the one of the founders, or actually both the founders, on the podcast uh, upcoming as well. Um, and you know, it's a, I just think it's such an interesting ride and roller coaster. And so you know, I appreciate all the time here, Jeremy, that you've been giving us, and you know, from podcast listeners as well as here in the Twitter space. You know, I wanted to, one last question I had, and it actually you know, kind of fitting. Ozark is in here uh, as well now. You know, you mentioned that. You went out and you you talked to four different people and you found Florian and he was the developer that matched your mission. And first of all, like the fact that like you know you found him and it was that aligned. Like I mean, I think that's there's a little bit of stars aligning there, right? Because I think the one of the most popular questions I'm getting from a lot of people that that have the audience have kind of like the the approach is like that idea of finding that developer that they can align with. But the other thing I wanted, I'm curious, you know, like, um, I know, with, you know, some of the people that you've brought onto the team to support and to be part of the, uh, of the team and the greater um, conversation, you know, like, I, I think it's, it also is, is something that is it's very nice to hear that to you, it's not about ego, right? It is about that mission. And so when you have assessed, you know, some of the people that have come on board to kind of help put them, the, the conversation out there. And, and I mentioned this before, like, I don't know if I know about this project, if it wasn't for Ozark being in, you know, hosting that Twitter space that happened, because I don't, I don't think anyone else that was on stage, I was following here on Twitter. Therefore it would not have showed up my feed. I probably would have, you know, probably would have been mad. I would have heard about, you know, <laughs> this project a lot later down the road. I'm curious from like your, when you look at this like journey of like finding the people to work with and and kind of the, like building this overall mission and being committed to the things that you're committed to, you know, how would you recommend for people that are out there to kind of find the people to kind of build around? Like, what, do you have anything that you get like advice you could give on on finding these people that you've kind of surrounded yourself with? I mean, I wish you're giving me way too much credit. Uh, I, I didn't surround myself with these people. Like, um, you know the. The reality is, is, uh, you know, folks like Ozark found us and, you know, he's in the call, so he could even come on and, and speak to that. Yeah, I asked, I asked him to speak. He might not be able to speak right now, but I, and I'm going to bring him on the, the show as well. And, and I will say, yeah. you know what, when you were a great person, you attract great people. So you, well, you might not I mean, claim you did it, but. I mean, I think the reality is, is like, you know, we were, we were kind of really mission and collection focused, right? We were pretty heads down focused on what we thought our differentiating factors were, um, what we knew we could do well. Um, and we always told ourselves, like, you know, the saying we had from, like, week one when we did Mint Out was, we are one tweet away from blowing up. That's what we just, every week, like, I think probably every Tuesday in those meetings that we had, and if not, it was at least every other Tuesday, someone on the team reminded the rest of us, we are one tweet away from blowing up right? The right person is going to see us. The right person is going to understand the, the work and the, the meaning and the, and the purpose for this. Um, they're going to read the articles. The articles are not light, right? They're, you know, the, the first article we put out is a 15 minute read. And if you actually look at all the imagery and follow along with it, it's a 30 minute read. Um, and so, you know, you've got to, you've got to cut through kind of the, the fluff. And we always told ourselves we're one tweet, we're one tweet away from someone actually seeing it, doing the research and having the breadth or the influence to be able to say, this is worth looking at. And, you know, there were a couple of folks like Ozark early on, uh, not early on, sorry, in December, early in December, that discovered us. Data was another one. Um, so there was there was some conversations there that we weren't part of, frankly. Like, those, those archaeologists found this information and kind of talked to each other, um, tested us by engaging with us, and... Uh, you know, I jumped on a, a call with with Ozark and had a thirty minute call where I was 
docs that I was showing my, you know, showing my, my, my video, like, who am I? Like I match, you know, I, I match who I say I am on LinkedIn. Um, and things kind of went from there. Right. Like, um, so yeah, very lucky in this space to kind of have, uh, other influencers and other people that know this space well see value um, and see the work and and feel that it, it has a purpose too. I, I love all of that, but I, I actually recognize now that you know actually part of the question and really the credit I actually shouldn't have given to you at all. It actually should be your daughters. Um, let's let's be let's be clear on that, right? I I and I, so the last thing I'll just ask you. How have your daughters looked at the project? Uh, I know, you know, as a dad of daughters, you know, it's cool to be inspired by them, but then there is an eventually like, okay, cool, dad, I'm glad you did that. And it's taking <laughs> off, right? Like, but I will say from, from a dad of daughters that I get to put in my, my daughter's very first, you know, wallets that they have. And they, they each have, you know, I, I gave them, you know, an, uh, a Ledger Nano. So they, we have them each with their wallet, which they means nothing to them. They're like, can you put it on my phone? And I was like, oh, you're going to make it on your, your screensaver? They're like, no. Like that's my friends on my screensaver, Dad. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But how, I, I'm curious. Like, what do what's your daughters like take? And do we have any like future projects that your daughters are now trying to inspire you to do? Oh, great. Uh, so, um, for yeah, I mean, like they're they're excited to kind of see that it minted out because for the longest time, um, the secondary market wasn't that thriving. They're you know at twenty percent. A lot of the punks that you know they saw that they liked were still locked in the contract. They didn't have. They couldn't pick. They couldn't say, pick that one up for me. Right. So for, for the, until recently, like I couldn't really quote unquote, go shopping for their forever punks. Right. Um, and so, uh, also like I had intended and never got to mint a bunch more. Like I intended, you know, I was going to mint a few more before it minted out just so that I could have some to trade and some to find forever punks with. And I never expected to sell out in a three hour Twitter spaces, in, you know, early December, but we did. And I realized like, Oh, now I really have to kind of sit with them and, and pour through the collection and and find their forever punks. And in the in the four or five months since we launched, like their actual preferences have changed too. Um, you know, they they're getting older. You know, six months is a long time, uh, <laughs> and uh, especially at that age. And uh, the only one that didn't really change their preference was my youngest, which was fitting because she still wanted the cowboy hat, which I thought was just heartwarming because that's the logo. Nice. Um, and so I did secure on secondary uh, a cowboy hat for my youngest. Um, my middle is into badminton. She's on the badminton team in middle school. Um, and she wanted a headband, uh, which was not a democratized trait. That was available in the original collection. But she really wanted a headband to kind of be that sporty, sporty kind of look. And she wanted the same glasses or sunglasses that uh, my, my wife's forever punk is. So um, we found hers on secondary. And then my oldest no longer wanted the hoodie. Uh, she wanted pigtails because, you know, it's kind of matches more her style these days in high school. When this all started, she wasn't in, uh, in high school yet, right? She was, it was, you know, the, her last year of middle school and like her preferences changed too as she she entered into high school and, and wanted something that kind of had that more, um, what she would say, kind of cute, cute look. And so, um, we, you know, I, I was able to find her a, a pigtail that has some blushy cheeks that she thought was super cute and and I actually tweeted this on my own personal kind of um, tweet a couple of days ago, like a, a happy holidays kind of family portrait of each of the girls um, with their forever punk. Uh, my wife, like it was just all of our punks together in kind of a Christmas card style um, along with their ENS name. So they're, you know, they're lucky. Like they, you know, my oldest has Sophia.eth, my middle has Chloe.eth, and my youngest has uh, Veda.eth, and my wife has Julia.eth, and I have Jeremy.eth. So you're the one who got Chloe.eth. 
How funny is that? I I attempted to get it and it was gone. My oldest is Chloe. And ah. how funny is that? I even, I even have a screenshot somewhere where I had to like show it to my daughter that I couldn't get Chloe.eth. Wow. Funny, yeah, I was, I actually missed out on um, a couple of them. I think I secured Chloe.eth on the day that, you know, the, the short domains became available. Um, but I missed out on Sophia.eth. No, no, I secured Sophia.eth. Sorry. I, mi- I missed out on my own last name because somebody else I was competing with for Sophia.eth. And when I won Sophia.eth oh. on the initial on the initial mint, they looked me up and went and bought Posevar.eth just despite me. Karma. And, and held it for a year. And then fortunately, they forgot to renew it. So I was able to oh. get my last uh, when they forgot to renew it. But of yeah, course. I mean, like, of course, they got it because out of, out of bitterness. And yep, that's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like uh, you know, so so they're all enabled. They don't have their own ledgers yet. They're all in my wallet. But like that's kind of you know progressively over the next you know few months. You know that's my mission as well is to get them their own um, ledgers. You know, put those fully into those into those wallet. Like the the challenge with those is just making sure that they they renew them. It's a little easier for me to kind of manage and renew renew those domains and whatnot. Um, Trust you know, me. I if I if I gave you a recommendation, I'd say don't. <laughs> the way that I did it, it was partially like for me to like appease my my ex as well as like to show like, hey, this is like transfer of ownership. And I was like, afterwards, I was like, man, that was way too much work. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't blame you on that. But I, I love I love that whole piece, right? Like even securing their names and like them having their forever punk and and that commitment to that, that you know, it's definitely full circle. And I, I and, I, you know, they got to go along with you on that journey as well, which is just kind of beautiful. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for jumping on. I see Ozark came up here. You know, Ozark, I, I, I sent you a message. I'm definitely going to have you on as a guest. Uh, I know we've been running, we're about an hour, 40 minutes in uh, on this one, which we'll probably make this into, this will probably be a, a two-part podcast episode. But, you know, Ozark, I want I, you know, I, I remember that December 12th, uh, you know, Twitter space and then like the December 13th, I think. And then it was like the 14th. And, uh, and I know that you guys are doing a, a space a little bit later tonight as well. Uh, for all those here, X punks that are uh, in here listening, make sure you guys jump on that space. I believe it's eight thirty PM Eastern time as well. Uh, I, I think it's such a, it's such a cool thing to see all that Amber in here, but it was like, you know, I, I, I'm just curious, you know, we, we've heard that, you know, this story, we've been sharing a lot of that, that vision, you know, you, you reached out to, to Jeremy and the team and said you wanted to learn more about the project. And, and I'm curious from a standpoint of like, before you reached out, like what was the thing that appealed to you or caught your eye? How did you find it um, at that spot? Because I know a lot of my listeners love that, ask me that question of like, well, Brian, how do I find the projects before they explode? And I'm like, well, if I knew the answer to that always, like it'd be a little bit, <laughs> I'd have a different game, but I'm curious just how, how was that origin, uh, Ozark, on that beginning? Um, yeah, so particularly with this project, I have to give a shout out to Data. Um, data, you know, I, going to your your the question that we're all asked, right? How do you how do you find how do you find great opportunities uh, in this oversaturated market? That the reality is is it comes down to who you know, right? Um, that that that's the beginning of that. But what I found with X Punks. Um, I was going through the website. I think data said this is like, I wasn't really minting anything. I hadn't minted in a while. Um, and I was just kind of like pulled back from the NFT market. And, um, yeah, data said something about how it was a really amazing minting process. I think it was data. It might've been heat in. Um, but I, I went to the website 
minted like 10, became addicted because uh, a lot of people probably don't know, but when you were minting, it was like these little cards that you'd click on and it would actually reveal the NFT real time, right? You didn't have to refresh your, your metadata or any of that other stuff. Um, so it was really fun and I was addicted like crazy. And I'm, so I minted like 10 or 20. Um, and I was, it was really at that point, it was just a degen play. I was just like, Oh, this is sweet. And then Heaton, it was Heaton said, uh, have you seen the Explorer? And I was like, what do what do you mean the Explorer? Um, and so I went to the website, started to poke around a little bit more, um, checked out the Explorer, which blew me away. And then I went to my account to look at my X-Punks and saw the pixel differences. Um, what, what the claim that made me buy in, uh, to put this out in the open, I, I hadn't bought any X-Punk derivatives because there was pixel matches. And, um, I, I just personally don't get behind that. So, uh, and I didn't particularly like the ethos of funks. And so I was, I was, I was out of the other punk plays that my friends were in. So um, I saw the pixel difference maps and just, I saw there was rarity built into the website, all of this stuff that is not standard for projects, right? And so I, I was just shocked. I was shocked that, that it didn't sell out. I was really confused with what, what happened. Um, at first, I thought that it had been open for, the minting had been open for just a couple of days. And then I looked a little bit deeper, saw it had sat for four months. Um, so yeah, it, the the level of execution and just the fact that um, once I knew that little piece that it hadn't minted out in four months, and I went through Discord. This is this is funny. Um, I yeah, I scrolled through the messages on Discord and just kind of saw how active Jeremy had been, and uh, it it was really pleasantly surprising to see that the team didn't disappear during obviously discord slowed down right but the team wasn't gone um and, and it seemed like they were really working so i i wanted to get an idea of what what their reasoning was what their why is uh and yeah i i felt i felt like i needed to to really as long as they were genuine people right which i truly believe they are um I needed to kind of do my part and, and assist in that because there's just so many projects on the market. And, and again, going going back to the question of how do you find gems, right? Um, like you're you're looking for a high level of execution and, and detail-oriented people that have a vision and, and have a northern star, all of these things. Uh, this project just checks all of the boxes and the community that came from those couple first spaces and it was probably there in the OG sense, but definitely, um, I, you know, a lot of people that have followed me for a long time ended up following me here. And so it's, it's a lot of amazing people that, you know, take, take real pride in, in building community and it's, it's evolved to be something amazing, but well, that answers your question. It does. And I, and I, and I, I said that, you know, that's how I found it, right? Like I know that the space only existed because you were there on the stage, right? And you had, right. you had led me into a, a couple other projects that uh, earlier in the year that, that actually turned out to be great projects. And I remember, you know, I, I have, I have a, a couple of Twitter lists that are non-public uh, and a couple of them are like, you know, 
people that I do not, you know, people that I should be muting on Twitter because they're shilling everything, right? Or, <laughs> or people that, you know, shill something and are all involved until the floor drops at all and then they disappear and I have them in like a private list. Right. And I remember, you know, I think there's, that's also like, I remember that Twitter space, you know, December 12th, December 13th, where, you know, you were sharing like, hey, I'm, I'm not even, there's, this was me discovering it, me learning more about them, bringing the conversation to light. And I, and I, and I want to say like, I think that, you know, we can talk about like, influencers and thought leaders in the role and i'm i'm very bullish on that role they play like i i mean part of 50 percent of the company that i run is we've been generating revenue off of influencer marketing for seven years like that's what we do mm-hmm. for part of uh, our revenue but i believe the art of it is bringing the conversations and the stories to your audience in an authentic way and i will say like it wasn't just that there was a Twitter space on December 12th and 13th that all of a sudden this thing, you know, blew up and sold out overnight. I even, I even pinned that tweet up here, which I think is a really classic one where it's just like, well, we sold out overnight. And I remember, you know, Jeremy the next night saying that he went in and told his wife that he had sold out, but then realized that, you know, Jeremy, you, you didn't even get your forever punks for the family. Right. And, and, and I just think like, like those, like that aspect of like organic and, and good natured. And even like, I will say like, you know, some of the spaces I remember Jeremy got delivered his, uh, his hot chocolate while waiting outside swim practice. Right. And, and we heard that on the spaces. These are all ways for us to get to know the founders and the people that we're trusting and the people we're putting money behind the people that we believe in. And I, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate and, and glad that, um, this kind of all came together. I, I know that these uh, podcast episodes are going to be very valuable um, to everyone that's listening. Uh, Ozark, I'm definitely getting to get you on for a podcast episode because I'd love to hear a little bit too about you know some of the nuances in the communities that you've built and then also had to step away from or, or kind of extend uh, into other projects because I think there's also something uh, to be said about you know kind of learning and kind of growing those different things as well. And uh, you know I think for all you know all of my listeners here for the podcast side of the house. You know, I definitely, you know, I understand. I, I'm also want to make sure it's very clear. You know, the floor on here the, of of Xpunks is growing, and I I am not one to say that a floor of you know of what you know 0.17 um, is you know affordable for everyone. And I understand that it, it might not be affordable for everyone. I don't ever want anyone to kind of feel that like, hey, if there's one project you should have in your wallet, it should be Xpunks. I, I said that, but if that's if you can afford it, right? If if it is money that you can that is at your disposal, I would never you know force you to do anything that um, is outside your means. But I will say, you know, we minted, I, I put this tweet up there, you know, our 31st mint of our 365 um, is an X-Punk. So if you want to come along on the journey and you don't have the means at the moment, we're going to diamond hands this till November 11th uh, of next year uh, when we sell the entire collection. And so we're going to be able to come on the journey with this, uh, with this X-Punk that we have here. I just made it to uh, my profile uh, photo as well. But, you know, Jeremy, I just want to say, you know, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for all that, you know, you've put a lot of time into these Twitter spaces. Uh, I've joined every one. I don't put um, push notifications on for anything. I hadn't changed my profile photo to a, a different NFT in about three months prior to finding uh, this project. Uh, and a lot of that was because for me, it is about, you know, amplifying good people that are doing good things. And I think that is the beauty, not only from the founders and Ozark, you discovering the, the project itself, but I, I, I want to give a, a shout out to all of those that are rocking their X punks that are in here in the room. You know, I think 
the sense of lifting each other up, not breaking down other projects, not feeling that this project can only be successful if the product that is expanding on, we have to talk bad about it, right? I think there is something beautiful about this, uh, this idea of lifting each other up, lifting up the projects, and really what, is the, you know, what, are, what other good can we do? How, how much can we help other projects embrace you know, a, a diversity and inclusion perspective uh, to what they're doing as well? So Jeremy, I don't know if you have any final words, but I, I, you know, I just want to say thank you. I, this was a heck of a lot of fun. This was fun. Uh, and thank you. Kind of great questions. Uh, you, I can tell you've been along for the ride because, you know, you were lockstep with, with all your questions based on the five or six you know spaces we've done to date. So, um, you know, I appreciate your passion and interest in the project. Um, appreciate the, you know, the microphone you've given us as well to kind of share this with other people and with your community. Um, you know, you know, follow us, like whether you own one or not, join us in discord. Like the, the community is awesome. Uh, you know, the, the folks are very welcoming, uh, you know, the mission that we have, um, does not preclude you from joining and being part of that mission necessarily in spirit. Um, and you know, we're building something here and, and it's going to take time. And, you know, all I ask of the community is, um, kind of your continued patience and, and whatnot and building that and building it the right way and not rushing it and not fumbling along the way. Right. And so, um, you know, we're here for it, you know, uh, love the community and, and love what it's turning into. And thank you everyone for being here and, you know, Brian for the, for the spotlight. Thank you. The show is not for-